Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode today. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you about how to get over the past without sweeping it under the rug. And so maybe there's a better way to put that instead of how to get over the past. It almost kind of implies that we're not going to deal with it, but it's how to work through it, how to resolve it, how to come back together and truly be able to leave something behind you, but with a deep feeling of closure and like it was worked through and resolved instead of just ignored and overlooked. And then it surfaces again at some point in the future. And so the reason that I wanted to share this with you today was because I had a session with a couple last week, and I feel like many, many couples struggle with the same thing. Though the content of what I'm going to share with you is maybe different than your situation. It's the principle of how to resolve it, because the content doesn't matter whether it's, uh, it, it could honestly be anything. It could be betrayal from addiction. It could be uh, a misunderstanding that caused a hurt. It could be feeling let down. It could be um, just some wound from the past, from from somebody else, then uh, the goal the, the goal is to process through whatever the situation is in a way that resolves the situation so it doesn't continue to surface. And so I was working with a couple last year, and they'd been struggling before they started working with me. They'd been struggling for about eight to 10 years, and they'd get stuck in the same cycles over and over and over again. And the husband would get mad. He would lash out. He'd get frustrated. And his wife would shut down and avoid conversations and tiptoe around and walk on eggshells and feel like no matter what she did, it wasn't making him happy and the relationship wasn't improving. So she started to kind of lose hope and feel like, what's the point of me doing all this work if it doesn't really translate to us feeling closer and better anyways? So their particular situation was not addiction, but I feel like it was a good story to illustrate how couples get stuck and what we can do about it. And so the injury that took place, the injury, I guess that's uh, one of the ways that some people describe it, an injury or a, um, a, a pain or a, a, a disconnect or some kind of a painful event. The thing that happened was during these years of negative cycles, the wife felt overwhelmed and started to feel like I can't keep having these same fights over and over again. So about seven, eight years pass, and she finally says, uh, only on a couple of occasions, and I'll put that word only in like an air quote, and you'll you'll see a, a why in just a minute. But she said a couple of times, she said to him, I don't want to stay married to you anymore. On one occasion, she said, I have a 10-year plan. As soon as our kids grow up and get out of the house, then I'm not going to stay. I, I, I want to I wanna leave the relationship. And so after a couple more years, right, it had been, it'd been some time since she had said those things. And then they came in to see me to get some help, to get some new tools, to resolve the pain of the past and to work through these current challenges that they're having. The same cycles kept appearing. They reached a point where they were able to create some stability They could communicate differently. They were able to reach and connect with one another on a deeper level. They started to learn how to be more vulnerable with one another. And the sticking point that we worked on not too long ago was that of him bringing up the past of her saying this 10-year plan comment. And when he did that, 
whenever somebody brings up the past, even if it's been 10 years in the past, it doesn't really matter how long it's been. The reason why somebody brings it up is because it feels unresolved for them. And even though they had this particular couple, they've had multiple conversations about that. And she's reminded him or tried to reassure him and say, okay, when I said that, it wasn't that I was trying to get away from you. It was this fighting was so overwhelming for me that I couldn't keep staying. And so he would ask for reassurance from time to time to try to feel better about those words that she had said. And they and she wanted to keep moving forward and 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 grow the family and, or move into a different house or just take another step in terms of their relationship and their family in this direction of growth. But he would feel this reservation of, I don't want to make another big decision because I don't feel certain that you actually want to be with me. And so he would bring this up occasionally and say, I don't really know where you are with this. And then she would start to get annoyed with him. She'd start to get frustrated because after as many conversations as they had, she would say, I already told you. I told you I was sorry. Why do you keep bringing this up? I told you that I do want to be with you. Doesn't all of the work that I'm doing right now show you that I want to be with you? Don't all of the changes that I'm trying to make right now show you that I want to be with you? And she would respond in that kind of a way, but it would be, it would be tinged with frustration and annoyance. And whenever he would hear her say that, it would not resolve this underlying fear that he had that she really doesn't want to be with me because of the way that it was approached, because of the annoyance that was there. It wasn't the words that were said. It was how they were delivered and the feeling that he got as they talked about it. And so I tried to help her understand. He brought it up again in session. He's like, you know, I I want to keep moving forward, but I just keep, I'm just stuck here. So he told me all of what I just shared with you. And I wanted to try to help her understand a little bit more deeply the effect of those words. And so what I ended up sharing with her was that for him, the certainty that he had about the relationship, and for them, they believe that families are going to continue on. They're they're religious people. Families are going to continue on. And when she told him, I don't know if I want to be with you anymore, it completely redefined the foundation on which the entire relationship rested, which was this commitment and the certainty of for better or for worse, health and sickness, or, you know, however, you know, the for better or worse, rich or poor, health and health, sickness and in health, she's going to be my person. And when she said, and this is why I put it in like an air quote, the only she said it even if it was just a couple of times even if it was just one time the fact that she said i don't want to be with you anymore and i'm only staying for 10 more years till the kids are out of the house completely destroyed the foundation that he felt like the relationship was resting on of certainty that we are going to make it through whatever comes up because we're both committed to the same outcome And I tried to explain it, and I told another couple of stories that I won't share here. The details aren't important, but I explained it in a way that helped her truly understand the devastating impact of that statement for him. And as I did, she did start to understand it even more so that, wow, that was a massively impactful thing that I did that really had a negative effect on him. And the reason why I wanted her to understand that was because if she could truly get the gravity of how that affected him, 
she would be far less annoyed and frustrated when he needed reassurance about whether or not she wanted to stay. Because if they got into a fight and if she shut down, it would spike up that fear. Well, she doesn't want to stay with me. This is her pulling away again. And then he'd get scared and then he'd start to get upset and frustrated and try to, it's like a fight or flight response. He'd get mad to try to get her attention and try to get reassurance. But of course that wouldn't work. And in the times that he did ask in a really vulnerable way, she would get annoyed with him. So I shared with her and I shared with them both that the reason why this keeps coming up is because it's unresolved. And so I wanted to help them get through the past of this, the past event without sweeping it under the rug. And so by explaining it in a way that could help her understand that the way forward is continual reassurance. And I tried to help her understand that it isn't a a one-time thing, right? A one-time thing would be uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know. What's a smaller offense? I came home late when you prepared a really special dinner. I came home late because I was out hanging out with my buddies and, you know, I was 25 minutes late. That's a one time, you know, honey, I dropped the ball. I wasn't mindful of the time. I'm sorry. I know you took the time to prepare this dinner. I should have been more on top of this. I'm sorry. That kind of an apology will resolve a lesser I guess, quote unquote, offense. But when you have a significant breach in the relationship, in how it's perceived, in what, if it interrupts the closeness that people feel, I think about often betrayal in terms of addiction and infidelity, it, it falls in the category of a bigger redefining moment in the relationship that then just requires multiple passes. It's like paint on a wall. This probably is not the best analogy, but I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is it takes multiple coats and it's no different when you're trying to resolve the pain of the past. It takes multiple passes. It takes multiple conversations, lots of reassurance to help somebody create that certainty that in this particular case, that she really does want to stay. So by explaining that to her, there was a softening that was there. And then I, I was like, can, can you share with him? Is this, when you tell him in the past that you really do want to stay, can you help him understand how do you feel about moving forward in the relationship with him, knowing how much he yearns for that reassurance to create that certainty again? And then she turned and shared with him a very, very vulnerable and moving bit of reassurance and comfort for him. And when he heard that, he's like, this is what I need. This is like so helpful for me to hear right now. And if I ever do get scared or uncertain in the future, if you could respond in this way, that would be exactly what I need. And it would only take just this small little exchange. And so I think this is such an important lesson that when people bring up the past, it's always because it's unresolved or there's some lingering bit of hurt or resentment or uncertainty that's there that just needs more reassurance. So if she, if he were to continue to bring it up, let's say in, in a month's time, they get into their cycle, she starts to pull away and shut down, let's say. If, he, if that spikes his fear up again of like, oh no, this is another one of those moments. I don't want to lose her. And then he goes to her and says, hey, honey, when you're pulling away or I notice that when you get quiet, as we're talking about this thing, I see you getting quiet. This brings up that same old fear that you're just pulling away and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I've got eight more years left before I can leave. And I get scared because I don't want to lose you. If he were to share it in that way, 
all she would need to do is say, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Thank you for letting me know. I want to, I want to just make sure that you know that I'm not going anywhere and I'm not thinking those thoughts because I do want to stay out and I want to work through this. I was just hurt by what happened. So I kind of just got quiet because I didn't really know how to approach things, but I'm not, I'm not thinking about my escape plan. That's not my thought, right? Some 20 second, 30 second little reassurance like that can go such a tremendously long way to help create more and more certainty to the point where that then becomes internalized. And now it's this internal anchor that's available for, for like it's, it's, he can always tap into that now. And that helps because as that certainty is there, if she were to shut down or lose her temper or get upset, it would not send the same message anymore of, oh no, she's going to go. She doesn't want to stay. I can see her getting mad. It just, it won't re it won't reinforce that same old negative thought pattern that he's had for a long, long time because the in he's been able to internalize that sense of certainty. And so the other, th- the other thing that I might want to mention with this is she would get frustrated because when he'd bring up the past, she would get frustrated for two reasons. Number one, she said that she's already told him that she's not going to leave and he keeps bringing it up. So it's like, it feels like it's annoying for her. Number two, whenever he brings up the past, he only brings up this one isolated or these two isolated incidents. And she says, it seems like he's just overlooking all of the good that I am doing. No matter what I do, he keeps bringing up the same old thing. So why would I even keep trying if it doesn't move the needle anyways? The thing that I told them was, I said that sometimes people confuse progress in certain areas of their relationship with healing on a deeper level with these insecurities. So I used this other analogy of imagine you're on a, in a second story house and the floor gives out from underneath you and you fall to the first story and you get severely injured and it creates this fear of, I can't go Okay, and then then let's say the house gets repaired, you put a new floor down, then you go back up to the threshold of that room and you think to yourself, do I want to step on this floor again? Again, I think this is a very uh, good parallel to how so many women feel in terms of addiction and betrayal. If, If the husband discloses or she finds out that there's been betrayal, then the floor falls out from underneath her and then he tries to say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do better. And he figuratively puts a floor back on there and says, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do something differently. She has some very legitimate reservations of, do I want to step on this floor again? And if that happens over and over again, the reservation, the fear, the reluctance just grows. And so in this example I shared, I said, Because she would say, like, I just get so annoyed and bothered because he keeps bringing this thing up and I've made so many changes. And I said, sometimes people confuse progress in certain areas with healing these deeper core wounds. And so I said, it's just like if the floor falls out, you repair the floor or what it looks like to be a repaired floor. But then you say, well, I repainted the room and I added new light fixtures and I put new furniture in there. Can't you see all of the good things that are in this room now? Why can't you appreciate this? Why can't you acknowledge this? And she's essentially saying, I've changed this. I communicate differently with you about this. I have let go of this. I've, you know, they, she can say all of the things that she's done to change. And without knowing, 
that unless you resolve this deeper core, again, this redefining event in their relationship, unless you resolve that, he's not going to be able to appreciate all of the other decor that you added to the room. He can't fully enjoy it because he's going to be thinking to himself, is this floor going to give out beneath me? When we're in fight or flight, our brain becomes black and white. There's no gray anymore. And, and that's by design. The brain, the, the, the purpose of us going into fight or flight is for us to not have to think about and evaluate a situation. The brain just turns it into black and white. Is this good or bad? Am I safe or not? And it makes a, it makes a, a split second decision to say, do I need to fight or flee? And so if he is in this overwhelmed, anxious, uncertain state, he's not going to be able to enjoy the rest of the changes that are being made because this overwhelming anxious feeling is distracting him. Again, the brain is doing what it should do. It's pointing him towards the danger, or in this case, the uncertainty, which for our ma- for our mammalian brains, we're mammals, we're social creatures, disconnection in our significant relationship is perceived and coded in the brain as danger. And so as I explained this idea to her, it made more sense about, okay, that's no, okay, it makes sense. No wonder why he couldn't really, uh, he couldn't really enjoy and internalize the other changes that I've tried to make because he didn't feel certainty in the relationship. And so the idea, again, I think this is a very common thing. If like, let's say people are on vacation, like they're in Hawaii, People are having a good time or like then they get into a fight and then one person says, we're in Hawaii. Why are you bringing this up? Why can't we just have a good time? Why can't you just let this go? Why can't we just focus on what's happening right now? Those are all good sentiments, sure. But psychologically, emotionally, that's just not how we work. So all we want to do is first just know that and then align with it. Instead of trying to fight against the grain, Instead of trying to suppress how we feel, all we want to do is simply become aware of what the process actually is and then align with it to then get the result that you want. And so again, as I've shared with you today, the goal is to be able to identify what is the core issue? What is the biggest bit of uncertainty that you feel that you always kind of maybe, if if you're stuck in this cycle of bringing something up or if your partner's bringing something up, What is it that they keep bringing up and what really is the core issue? And if you can identify what that is, then you can have a conversation to try to resolve it by reassurance and patience and validation and just being present with the other person. If we dismiss or get annoyed or get frustrated or roll our eyes or our body language conveys, this is illegitimate. You shouldn't be feeling the way that you're feeling. All that does is simply put a lid on the feeling for it to then surface at a future time. And so we just want to understand the process of being able to resolve hurts from the past is to give them room, give them a voice, and have somebody then receive it with validation and understanding and care and patience and reassurance. And for bigger, again, I don't know if I like to use this word offenses, but that's the only word that comes to my mind right now, or that the first word is an offense or like a breach or a hurt the bigger the hurt, the more reassurance it needs. And that's okay. You can have the same conversation multiple times. 
And if somebody continues to bring up the past, it's not because it's not because it's not working. If you're doing these steps, it just means they need more reassurance. You're on the right track. So just continue to add. It's like you're watering a plant. You're just adding more and more water. You're being consistent and you're doing what it needs for it to grow again. Now, sometimes the thing that stops people from doing this and from being able to reassure, there's a couple of main reasons. Because sometimes you might say, well, I try to express, let's say you you say, well, I go to my husband or my wife and I try to express in a very vulnerable way where I'm hurting and what I need, but then they still don't respond. They still shut down. They still avoid. They still put it back on me. They blame me. They do whatever negative response. They still are just not giving me what I need. Then what do I do? So there's a couple of reasons why this happens. Number one, it goes back to not knowing what to do. I'll work with so many men. When their wife comes and talks to them them about the pain that they're in, they have no idea how to respond. I had a call with somebody today, today even. We're only a couple of sessions into their process, but he was telling me that whenever in the past, and we've spent some time, we're, I guess we're like five sessions in. So I'm, I'm giving him support and direction and guidance in terms of how to respond. And he's like, man, this just like, I never, why couldn't I have figured this out on my own? And I said, well, nobody, nobody teaches us this. Nobody sets us down and tells us what to do when our spouse is hurting We try our best to just like make it better, but usually what we try doesn't actually work because it's it's just out of alignment with what they need. And so usually there's, again, a couple of different reasons why. Number one, they just don't know what to do. They don't know how to reassure in a way that actually translates to the other person feeling it. And so I think just, I hope by what we're talking about today helps to clarify that one where you have some direction, you have some guidance in terms of validating and expressing understanding and acknowledging the pain that they're in that ultimately is the goal and sometimes people have a hard time doing that so when i when i work with them i'll like model it for them and i'll coach them into doing it and then we do it in session i say great can you now turn and tell your wife right now xyz or if she says i need him i need him to understand xyz and then I check in with him and say, well, what happens for you when you hear her say that? And I process that with him. And then we, we facilitate a conversation in session. And then if any blocks come up, then I'm there to help and support them and work through them with, with, with the couple. And so there are blocks that will come up for most people. One of them is they don't know what to do. Another huge one is shame. And we might have, I've touched on this in the podcast, so depending on how long you've been following, it's it's kind of crazy. I've been doing this for a year now. (laughs) uh, And I've loved doing this. So if you've been following along for any length of time, or if you've heard a lot of the episodes, you probably have uh, heard me talk about this idea of shame, which in other words, shame is just like a negative belief about ourself. It's, it's It's this belief or a feeling of inadequacy, of unworthiness, of not being good enough, of being uh, a failure. It's some identity statement of who I am. And so this is one of the top blocks that prevent couples from having healing conversations. Because if the wife turns to her husband and says, when you did fill in the blank, X, Y, Z, I was crushed by that. It devastated me when I found out about this. The husband hears this. And thinks to himself, I am the biggest piece of garbage there ever was. 
I feel horrible about what I've done. I'm an awful person. My wife is sitting across the table crying because of something that I did. Like, what's wrong with me? And when they feel that, their focus goes away from their pain, which is where it needs to be in order for the pain to heal. It goes away from their pain and their attention is directly placed on their own sense of overwhelm and pain that they feel as a result of their own shame. And so they get stuck in this spiral of then they shut down, then they want to avoid conversations because it's so painful when their wife talks about how bad they feel. It makes the husband feel so bad, so he avoids talking about things, which makes the wife feel even more unloved because her husband's not responding to her pain. It's a vicious cycle that spirals and it affects both people. And so one of the biggest areas where men struggle is they just feel this pain of shame and like a bad person. And so being able to work through and resolve that is one of the biggest parts of the process. Again, as I work with people, that's like one of the biggest leverage points because once people can resolve their shame, there's a a handful of different ways to do that. Uh, One of the ways that's easier to explain, there's a few exercises that I'll do with people. So it just kind of depends on somebody's particular shame and how it developed. There's exercise that you can do to target that. One of the easier things to explain, at least on the podcast, is by challenging it. If they say, well, I'm a bad person, you can start to unwind that a little bit. Well, okay, does a bad, it's like you, you you get clear about what the definition is and then you start to challenge the definition. So if they say, well, I hurt my wife, therefore I'm a bad person. So essentially they're saying, okay, well, anybody who hurts their spouse is a bad person. Is it possible that you're not a bad person, but you made a bad decision? Well, yeah, I guess that's true, but I've made a lot of bad decisions. So doesn't that mean I'm a bad person? And one of the things that I'll sometimes do to help challenge that is, well, how do you feel after you make these decisions? Well, I feel awful. I don't want to do this. I see that I'm hurting my wife. Okay, well, if you feel bad about some of the choices that you made, do bad people feel bad about the decisions that they make? Well, no, because they just think, you know, this is my choice. And if it affects you, too bad. And I don't feel anything towards that. It's like, no, if I ever ever ask a man that, they're like, no, of course I don't feel good about what I've done. Well, isn't that evidence that you're not a bad person then? And that can start to get them thinking like, well, yeah, if if I'm seeking change, I remember I did a five-day challenge one time with a handful of guys to help give them tools to fight the addiction. And one one of the prompts was, what are some of these limiting beliefs that you've had about yourself that have kept you stuck? They say, one of the guys said, I feel like I'm a reprobate. (laughs) This example sticks with me because of that word that he used. I'm a reprobate, this horrible person. And then I said, okay, if you were to challenge this belief, what would you say to yourself? And then it kind of walked them through the process of how to do that, kind of like I'm explaining right now. And the the guy came back and said, well, if I really was a reprobate, I wouldn't be seeking change. And that was one of the ways that he started to challenge that belief, which I thought was great. I think that's a genius way to do it. And I think you can apply that for so many people and, and starting to break that shame. And again, there's other ways to do that, but that's one of the things that you can start to do as you listen is to, to, to separate yourself from your decisions and start to uh, recognize that you're not your decisions. Our decisions are a result of our state, our emotional state at the time and the tools that we have available to us at that moment. And so our goal is to just get more tools and practice uh, implementing those tools and 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 responding to situations differently. 
And so instead of getting sucked down this rabbit hole of shame, we want to challenge that and refocus our attention back on the person who's sharing. And the more you can stay with the person who's sharing and be empathetic and validate their experience and express understanding, that is the formula to truly resolve the past and move forward with closure without feeling like you're sweeping it under the rug. So I would encourage you to think about if you guys feel stuck or if there is a pain that does continue to surface, I would encourage you to have a conversation and then have multiple conversations about it using this framework. And the more that you do it, the better you're going to feel, the more closure you're going to experience, which then increases the closeness in the relationship. And then it helps you individually not carry the weight and the pain of the past because you're actually resolving it at the core. So I hope that helps to give you some direction if you're in this position. And it's, it's, it's crazy to see how powerful this is when I work with couples to help them resolve these blocks that get in the way of them doing that so that once they're actually able to have a successful conversation following this framework, things can change very, very quickly because ultimately when our pain is acknowledged and validated, it diminishes and then it ultimately it becomes healed to the point where it's not there anymore. So I would encourage you to give this a shot and see how this goes. And applying this framework, again, is like one of the most effective things that people can do as they work through the pain. So again, I hope this helps. And I look forward to speaking to the guys again next week. See you then.